Hello, everyone, and welcome to our podcast. This is Pastor Mike with the Aliante Community Baptist Church. We invite you, your family, and friends to join us as we study God's Word. So, let's begin. Thank you, Miss Ginger. Amen. Well, I'd like you to turn in your Bibles in the Gospel of Matthew, or chapter 22. Chapter 22. Some wonder, well, is he ever going to preach out of any other book? <laughs> well, you see, we, we do expositional uh, preaching, and we, we're preaching through the entire book of Matthew. But you see, when you're doing a study through an entire book, it takes a long time a long period of time to get all the way through an entire book. And there's a tremendous amount of blessing uh, as you go through the entire book. And uh, I would encourage you, if you haven't uh, begun to make it your life's goal to read through the entire Bible, all 66 books of the Bible. And not just to read through, but also study all 66 books uh, of, of the Bible. Amen? And so today, the title of the message is The King's Invitation. The King's Invitation. And at the end of the, uh, the service today, there will be an invitation. It's really the King's Invitation. The King's Invitation to accept his love, his gift of life, his gift of forgiveness, his gift of eternal salvation, eternal security, the feast of life that, that he offers. And so Jesus uses parables, and last week we looked at a couple of parables, and he's, he's still in the temple, or the week prior, prior to last Sunday. Jesus is still in the temple and he's still teaching. And remember that he's, he's actually speaking to the chief priests and the scribes and the other religious leaders. And he's teaching them some very important truths as well as he's teaching us. And so let's begin reading in Matthew chapter 22 and verse 1. And Jesus answered and spoke to them again by parables. You notice that? Spoke to them again by parables. And said, The kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who arranged a marriage for his son and sent out his servants to call those who were invited to the wedding, 
and they were not willing to come. Again he sent out other servants, saying, Tell those who are invited, See, I have prepared my dinner. My oxen and fatted cattle are killed, and all things are ready. Come to the wedding. But they made light of it and went their ways. One to his own farm, another to his business. And the rest seized his servants, treated them spitefully, and killed them. But when the king heard about it, he was furious. And he sent out his armies, destroyed those murderers, and burned up their city. Then he said to his servants, The wedding is ready, but those who were invited were not worthy. Therefore go into the highways, and as many as you find, invite to the wedding. So those servants went out into the highways and gathered together all whom they found, both bad and good. And the wedding hall was filled with guests. But when the king came in to see the guests, he saw a man there who did not have on a wedding garment. So he said to him, Friend, how did you come in here without a wedding garment? And he was speechless. Then the king said to the servants, Bind him hand and foot, take him away and cast him into outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth, for many are called, but few are chosen. Let's pray, please. Our Father in God, we come to you and we ask that you be our teacher through God the Holy Spirit, to the honor and to the glory of the Lord Jesus, and to the benefit of your children, that we might understand, that we might hear and heed your word today. Lord, we pray that our hearts will be open. We pray, Lord God, the Holy Spirit, that you will illuminate our understanding, enabling us to see and to hear with our spirit, with our soul. And we pray that we'll take your word and share it with others with the hope that lost people will come to know Jesus as Savior. We thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. So Jesus uses parables to teach personal responsibility. Personal responsibility. You hear a lot of talk about freedom, etc., etc. But freedom isn't free. And there's a tremendous amount of personal responsibility that comes with the blessing of liberty. The kingdom of heaven. Notice he uses the term the kingdom of heaven. And really the term the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven, they're, they're synonymous terms really. But they're not limited or the kingdom of heaven isn't limited to a geographical location or to one little specific place or to one little specific nation. No. The term actually means God's sovereign rule. God's sovereign rule and reign. The Jewish people pray, Blessed art thou, O Lord God, King of the universe. Because he is, he is King of all creation. And Jesus prayed, and, and Roger 
uh, quoted from that prayer. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. See, in heaven there is no question about whether or not God is the sovereign. He is. And God's people here upon the earth are to be proclaiming that there is but one God. Now, I heard something yesterday and thought, you've got to be kidding me. Our granddaughter um, shared with us that, you know, this guy they call the Dalai Lama right? was in the presence of some people and some little kids, and he, and he instructed this little five-year-old, was it a boy or a girl, I, I don't know, a little kid, to, to take her tongue and to basically to tongue his tongue. But you do realize that, that the Dalai Lama is, is a leader of a false religion, it's a false cult. I don't apologize for saying that, because it is false, because any religion that teaches anything other than that Jesus Christ is Lord God and King is false, and it is of the devil, and I make no apology for that. Now, politicians, right, they, they, they want to, you know, give praise, etc., etc., to all these false leaders and all these false cults. Well, we, we don't do that. We proclaim the truth. Jesus Christ alone is Lord. God is king and sovereign over all creation. And one day, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. That day is coming. Jesus said over in Matthew chapter 6, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Amen? And all of the other things that you need will be provided unto you. The kingdom of heaven. But he uses this parable to teach very significant truths. Now in this parable, the king is God the Father. God the Father. The Son is Jesus our Lord. The servants are the prophets and also the apostles. And as time goes on, it includes also the disciples. And we are disciples. You say, well, what's the difference between an apostle and a disciple? The, the, disciple, uh, the, the apostles were a very unique group. A very unique group of men. And one of the qualifications for being an apostle was that you had to be there with Jesus when Jesus was alive. I don't think we have many people walking on the earth that are 2,000 plus years old. Okay? People want to be called an apostle. You know what? That's not what the Bible teaches. They were a unique group of men, especially gifted by God and ordained to write the scripture under the inspiration of God the Holy Spirit. And there is no new scripture being written today. The book is complete. The servants, the prophets, you'll recall the prophets of old, that includes John the Baptist, as well as Isaiah, and Ezekiel, and Daniel, and all the rest. And then those invited 
are the Israelites who mistreated and rejected the prophets. Sadly, you know, we read the book of Isaiah. It's a beautiful book. and we, Isaiah, the, the book of Isaiah is like a, a mini Bible itself. It has 66 chapters. And there are 66 books in the whole Bible. But do you know what they did with Isaiah? They took Isaiah and they sawed him in half. That's how he died. And you, you know the story of Jeremiah. They beat him. They threw him down a well. They wouldn't listen. They slapped him around, imprisoned him. They would not listen to the message. And that's what Jesus is talking about here. And they did that to many prophets over the years, over the centuries. Sadly. And then eventually they also did that to the apostles. Stephen was stoned to death, the first Christian martyr after the Lord Jesus Christ. And the story goes on and on. And we also know that Peter was crucified upside down and, and the apostle Paul was beheaded. And James and several of the other apostles, they were all murdered with the exception of John, although he was persecuted and boiled in a, in a cauldron of oil and, and then exiled to the Isle of Patmos where he received the revelation, the book of Revelation. So Jesus, here in this parable, not only is he, is he preaching truth, but he is also prophesying. It's a prophetic parable. But moving on. The result of rejecting the invitation. You see, the, the first group to be invited were, were the Israelites. They were invited to the feast. To the feast of life. The feast that God gives. And scholars go back and forth with respect to this particular feast. It is a wedding feast. Now, in, in some translations, you have the word feast, and some it has the word dinner. Now, depending upon where you're raised, dinner and supper are two different meals. Because folks get this mixed up, and they think he's referring to the marriage supper of the Lamb. Now, that's, that's a possibility because oftentimes in scripture there, there, are, there are several different applications. There is a present and general spiritual application, but then also a future application. But the words are actually different. And the word that's used here for this particular feast is the word that was generally used for breakfast, which then later became a brunch. You know, we have the Sunday brunches and so, in most English translations, they translate it as dinner because in some places, dinner is the luncheon meal. It's the middle. Supper is the evening meal. And you see, that's the word that's used over in Revelation chapter 19 for the marriage supper of the Lamb. It's a different word. The word that's used here is actually the word that refers to the luncheon, breakfast, or brunch meal. But to confuse it even more, you need to also understand that in ancient times, 
the feast would go on for sometimes a week. <laughs> Not just a day. But they would, it would go on for a week. And depending upon the wealth of the family giving the wedding feast, it might go on for more than a week. But notice, they make light of the invitation. Basically what they say is, I'm busy. Now in ancient times, they would send out generally two invitations. They would send first a general invitation saying, we're going to be having a wedding. And it may or may not have the date. But the second invitation that went out was very specific. And so you see here the general invitation went out. And then the specific wedding invitation went out with, with the time and the date. And it also said that everything was ready. Everything had been prepared. All the, the food was prepared. It was a banquet, a feast. But there was rejection and total disregard. Indifference. Indifference. Too busy. Have you ever invited someone to church and they said they were too busy? They just didn't have time on Sunday. They just, really, they just didn't have the time. Or they weren't really ready, you know, at this point in their lives to go. Well, you know, I've, I've got so many other things going. And you ever notice, wherever you go, people are on their phones. Wherever you go, they're on their phones. I, I was telling our granddaughter, I said, you know, when I was a kid, generally, kids were outside playing. Unless they had to work. And I was talking with a, a dear friend of mine, his name's Alan Stanick, he's retired. He's retired from the Air Force and retired from the, from the Metro Police Department. <laughs> and uh, uh, we were talking about growing up because he, he grew up on a farm. And I grew up, you know, my father was a nurseryman. And we were talking about the different kind of work that you, that you do. And he said, yeah, where was, you know, where were the child labor laws back then? <laughs> because, uh, you know, we had to grow up and, and work, but we, we, we learned a tremendous amount. All the benefits. And today, most kids, all they do is work out their thumbs, right? Yeah. Right, they're, they're on. <laughs> but sadly, the majority of people are indifferent toward God and his invitation. And the invitation goes out. And the invitation is to come to his table, to his, his banquet table of life. Jesus said the kingdom of God is within you. If you know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, God's kingdom has come and it dwells in your heart in the person of God the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Christ, the Spirit of God the Father, because they are one. He is one. But notice, they reject it. 
When Jesus came to his own, the Bible says, his own received him not. They rejected him. And as we studied in Sunday school this morning, even though the, the evidence was so clear for no man, no man did the things that Jesus did, yet they refused because they were not about the truth and they sought to destroy it. Notice what he says, the king, God, sends forth his armies. And we mentioned a moment ago that this parable is, is prophetic. Yes, it's prophetic because in 70 AD, the Romans came through and destroyed Jerusalem and they burned and destroyed the temple. Right there where Jesus was teaching this parable. And he said, because they refused and they rejected Notice the scripture says right there in verse 6 and they, they seized his servants, treated them spitefully and killed them but when the king heard about it he was furious and he sent out his armies his armies and the prophets of old when they, when they learned that God was going to use the Babylonians are ruthless people to invade the southern kingdom of Judah and carry them off they protested they protested they said the Babylonians a wicked and evil people you're going to use them against your people but you see the Babylonians he used as his army to hold his people accountable and even before that, he used the Assyrians who invaded the northern kingdom of Israel and carried them off and enslaved them. His armies, the Roman army, came through in 70 AD and leveled Jerusalem. Those who reject the invitation are destroyed. Judgment. Make no mistake about it. You cannot live a life in rejection of God and in rejection of his truth without suffering the judgment, without being held accountable. The city was burned. And what is this invitation? I'll read from a book in the All series by Herman Lockyer. He says, The feast... The feast of God, the banquet, pardon of sin, favor with God, peace of conscience, exceeding great and precious promises, access to the throne of grace, the presence of God the Holy Spirit, and eternal life, a feast of inconceivable delights, is what he offers to every man, woman, boy, and girl. The invitation is offered to other people. Why? Because these rejected. And so the, the invitation goes out a third time. But notice the servants, the disciples go forth into the highways beyond the city limits. North, south, east, west. The highways lead out of town. In other words, to all the world and to all nations, to all people. 
And I've mentioned many times before, when you ever read that word in the English nations, actually in the Greek it is ethnoi. It refers to all of the various ethnic groups because we are all of various ethnic groups. But belong, we belong to one race. We all belong to one race, the human race. And all this talk about racism, you know what that does? That doesn't do anything but divide. That doesn't do anything but divide. We're not to be about dividing. We're to be about drawing people to the Savior, inviting them to the Lord's table. Now notice, the king says, you go out and you get the good and the bad all together. There are some people, they want nothing to do with Christianity. Why? Because we say that no one deserves it. Because that's what the Bible teaches. That you must be saved by God's grace and by his grace alone. You cannot work or earn your way to heaven. You're never going to be good enough. No one is good enough. We're saved by his grace. Now notice that the wedding hall was filled. All who accepted the invitation were welcome. Now in ancient times, as a king would, would put on this great big banquet, the king would also provide garments for the guests who came. These royal garments, he would provide them. And so the wedding hall is filled with, with guests. The whosoever of John 3.16, amen? Whosoever will may come. The Bible teaches that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, and the wages of sin is death. Yes, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. The king enters the wedding hall. The guests are there. And there's one guy who's slipped in. The king comes to see the guest, and there's a man there without proper attire. You see, the king provides the garments. And what is that garment? Well, we are clothed in the righteousness of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We said earlier, the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God is within us, and he is in us, or it is in us, in the person of God the Holy Spirit. You'll recall when the... When the the, uh, the prodigal son came home. He had this speech all prepared for his dad. And his dad saw him and he ran to him and he embraced him and he said, bring a robe for him. It's the robe of righteousness that comes to us through the Lord Jesus Christ. Not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us. We are robed. We are dressed in the righteousness of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It's the righteousness of Christ. And so as the king comes in, the hall is filled with all of these people, but ooh, sticking out like a sore thumb is this one. And notice how he, he addresses him, friend. Friend. You see, God is very compassionate and kind. Friend, where is your wedding garment? 
How is it that you came in here? You see, the man actually was filled with, with arrogance. Arrogance. Those who, who say, well, you know what? I'm going to work my way to heaven. Well, I'll just give this and I'll give that and I'll purchase this and I'll purchase that. You can't work your way to heaven. And you can come in here to this church and act like you're a Christian and not be one. But guess what? You can fool me. And you can fool other people. But you cannot fool God. God knows those who are His. He knows. And you may come in here Sunday after Sunday, or week after week, whatever the case might be, or attend some other church, and yet not know Christ as your Savior, and act like you do, but God knows. Well, we're out of time. But notice that the man was speechless. The man was speechless. And those who play Christian or who refuse to accept the garment, who refuse to accept Christ in their lives, there will be no excuse. No acceptable excuse. The man despises the king's garment, will never taste his feast written by James Smith, a theologian of many years ago. He's cast into outer darkness. Now notice what he says. Many are called, few are chosen. That is, the invitation goes out to everyone. The others were not worthy. Why weren't they worthy? Because they wouldn't accept the Lord. Jesus Christ, the Bible teaches, is the one who makes us worthy. You may not feel worthy, but if you know Christ as your Savior, guess what? He has made us worthy. And we are the choice ones. Someone has said, we are the ones who have been chosen. Because we have chosen to accept the invitation. So what do we learn very quickly as we go through the summary? Our God is king over all creation. No question about it. We make no apology. We make no apology. God alone is king. Our God invites all humanity to the wedding feast. He sends forth the gospel to all the world. Rejection of the invitation results in destruction. Judgment is coming. You can't buy your way out of it. Only genuine believers are saved. Only genuine believers are saved. And we're saved by Christ. And we are robed in the righteousness of Christ because we have none of our own. The Bible says all of our righteousness is like filthy rags. And for the sake of the children, I won't explain what that means. But I will say it's like a, a rag that's been used for a putrid, pus-filled womb. That's what our righteousness is like. And lastly, falsehood is revealed and dealt with. Accountability. Well, we're going to stand and sing a hymn of invitation, and it is the King's invitation to you today. Will you respond? Will you accept Jesus as your Savior? Will you join the fellowship of His church? Will you follow Him in believers' baptism? Let's stand, please, as we sing. I surrender. I surrender. You come to Jesus as we sing.
pray that you have been blessed by today's lessons from God's Word. And we invite you to contact us with any questions that you may have, especially questions regarding your relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. We want to help you with your walk of faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and with your understanding of His Holy Word, the Bible. Our contact information is listed in the podcast show notes. May God richly bless you.